So the ecosystem, I must say, has evolved over the last uh, 36 months, more so over the last 24 months, and take into account or building on the uh, infrastructure that I've just talked about, we've seen a really nice uh, conjunction of ideas, as well as regulatory framework, as well as access to infrastructure, right, in Malaysia at the moment. TechSoft Global, sparking innovative thoughts. One of the most upcoming ecosystems in ASEAN, you could say, is Malaysia. So today we're going to talk about it in our episode of Texas Global Podcast. Sadika, you're listening to the latest episode with me, Chawarat Yong Tiranonar Pupe, the global content editor of Texas Media. And today I have with me Raymond Siva, the senior vice president and chief digital investments officer of Malaysia Digital Economy Corporation, or MDEC. Hello, Raymond. Hi, hello. Hi, I'm so happy to be able to talk to you today. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners are interested to see your insight on Malaysia's ecosystem. But before we start, can you tell us a little bit about MDEC? Well, uh, the Malaysia Digital Economy Corporation was established as the Multimedia Development Corporation in 1996. Really, our aim and um, our whole mandate is to drive uh, firstly, in 1996, the ICT ecosystem and knowledge economy in Malaysia. We were also the key driver, the principal agency behind the Multimedia Super Corridor, the MSC initiative uh, that's known globally, right? And fast forward 26 years later, the Malaysia Digital Economy Corporation is our new name. Uh, we adopted that in 2014. Uh, and as you can see, the entire universe of the digital economy uh, is our focus um, at the moment, right? So we look into the uh, development of the companies, the startups. We look at investments, reinvestments, as well as perhaps, you know, working with others to ensure there's a good supply of digital talents that's able to feed into this growing ecosystem in Malaysia. Mm. So definitely you have insight on the ecosystem there. And I think a lot of people are probably interested because Malaysia, like many other countries, including Thailand, have has gone through a lot, you know, with the past three days, three years, not days, three years of the pandemic. Uh, there's been a lot of challenges, uh, especially in the tech industry. Can you give us the latest update on what's been going on in the ecosystem in your country? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a fantastic lead-in. Uh, so after 25 years of the MSE, the Multimedia Super Corridor, uh, we took the initiative over the last two years to really look, revisit the relevance of the MSC to the fast-evolving digital economy. And so in July of 2022, we launched the enhanced uh, new version of the MSE called Malaysia Digital, right? Uh, it's a very important step forward for us uh, because it has fundamentally changed the way we want to attract investors uh, into our economy, uh, as well as to promote the local tech ecosystem. Yeah? We've removed certain barriers in terms of location requirements uh, and other, we believe, not so relevant uh, conditions to get the Malaysia digital status. Right Now, what does status offer you? It offers you access to the Bill of Guarantees by the Malaysian government uh, in terms of you raising capital from foreign sources, uh, you know, you've got tax exemptions if required and when you need it under the tax uh, eligibility, 
access to markets and, and all of that, right? So that has really, uh, uh, I think, revitalized or catalyzed a new interest and a, a lot of support uh, in terms of uh, reshaping our digital economy. Uh, that said, the ecosystem also over the last two years has changed a lot, right? Uh, what we have seen is that they have reacted almost naturally to the requirements over the last two years. For example, when we were under a lockdown, uh, how do we get our kids to online learning? Uh, how do we order our food and, and how do we get out into the supermarkets? Uh, how else do we get into a cashless uh, environment? There were many, many solutions uh, and many startups who jumped in to say, these are online learning platforms that we've created, right? Working with others like Google and, and you know, LinkedIn, Coursera, there are many uh, digi, uh, digital education platforms and companies which have come up to address these needs, right? Uh, there's also uh, our FinTech, which is very, very robust. Uh, that has come up to support the growing e-commerce business, right? So e-commerce and that ecosystem has really driven the growth of our digital economy. And the players there range obviously from the e-commerce uh, platforms, uh, including we have the supply chain guys, we have the delivery guys, we have the cybersecurity guys around it. And so we have crossed the 1 trillion transaction mark already in Malaysia last year. And we see that to continuously uh, expanding bringing in more new ideas and, and innovation and companies, right, to solve the, the uh, ever-evolving needs and problems uh, in that space. There's also um, the, the rollout of our backbone, yeah, digital infrastructure backbone. So under the Jandela program, which translates into window in, in English, we saw the rollout of 4G across the nation at an accelerated pace. You've heard about uh, also our 5G rollout, which is coming mm -hmm. on quite nicely. Mm -hmm. uh, and we also have the likes of uh, our internet service providers to complement areas where traditionally the fibers uh, couldn't get pulled through, right? So the whole idea is that for the digital economy to succeed and for the apps and solutions to benefit the people, uh, both in terms of convenience as well as generating uh, new economic uh, drivers, we'll have to get the backbone ready, right? So the internet has been declared by the government as a third utility, which means all new developments and townships will also or must have access uh, to internet connectivity, right? So the ecosystem, I must say, has evolved over the last uh, 36 months, more so over the last 24 months, mm -hmm. and take into account or building on the uh, infrastructure that I've just talked about, we've seen a really nice uh, conjunction of ideas as well as regulatory framework, as well as access to, to infrastructure, right, in Malaysia at the moment. That's great news. I think that's a, I think uh, uh, talking to other ecosystems, it's it's a similar kind of story as well that, you know, when you're under pressure and there's a lot of things to be done in a short period of time or basically things need to work, uh, we have found a way to work and it's actually been an advantage for the innovation of technology, especially here in Thailand, as well as you mentioned, going cashless. Uh, Thailand has been very successful in doing that. Uh, one of the things that uh, Malaysia has been successful at as well is uh, having emerging unicorns. Uh, mm. Which unicorns would you say have been real success stories? So, you know, that's a really good point, right? 
do we want to use the word unicorn? Mm. Right? I, I'm just throwing it out there. You know? okay. I, would, I would be a devil's advocate and say, uh, unicorns are good uh, mm-hmm. and it's needed, but uh, don't you think they also play on a valuation uh, game? Mm. Right? It's the next round and the next round of raise and the following round of raise, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know, right? Uh, this is this is interesting for me personally, right? I'm not I'm not speaking on behalf of the industry. I'm mm-hmm. thinking out there. We can look at value creation as well, right? Because if you're looking at a lot of the um, funding that's coming in right now, I'm not talking about a year ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, seems that right now they are looking to path to profitability, the P2P, right? Not so much a burn rate. Um, are you running a solid business? Is there mm-hmm. a real problem to be solved? Can you scale? Right, and can you scale as a business without getting that billion-dollar valuation and funding, right? Mm-hmm. And for me, that's, a, that's an interesting shift, right, in terms of how we we look at the companies, right? So we talk about Sunicorns, the soon-to-be unicorns. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, but are we holding these unicorns to the same valuation of one billion USD in this time where uh, money is hard to come by, right? VCs mm-hmm. are yeah. It's cold. It's a it's winter. <laughs> winter is coming or is it here? Right? It's here already, <laughs> even though it's hot in Thailand. You know, you'd, be, you'd be surprised. I, I was in. I was you know, speaking to many investors and there was a year-end forum that was held by another agency called MEFCAP. And um, there is a lot of uh, optimism and bullishness in, in ASEAN or for mm-hmm. ASEAN, right? Um, and there is money. There is money. But the, whether they're going to deploy that money into a unicorn or, or sunicorn uh, is something I believe has changed. And the conversation has, has evolved to say, no, we're looking at good businesses, right? So, and, and yeah, if a good business and we can fund it, and if they then become a unicorn, so be it, good. But fundamentally, we're not looking at burn rate so much right now, right? We're looking whether you're running a solid business that I can invest in and get an IRR of say five to twenty-five percent, or, or ten to twenty-five percent in, in the next seven to ten years. Uh, so, so that goes back to us running businesses, right? It's not mm. just about being a, a unicorn burning. Yeah. Right? I think I think it's very interesting what you're saying. I just wanted to add that I've heard from other speakers say the same thing that it's a totally different kind of world. Um, that we live in. I mean, prior to COVID-19, it was a very la-la, like, oh, yes, like unicorns. Everything is so bright and shiny. But, you know, having passed through the pandemic, people are more focused, as you said, you know, on really creating businesses that will, you know, be stable in terms of having growth and, and having that good scaling power. Um, and, 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 and I think that's, that's one of the things that people are looking at right now is what you said. Um, when you go into that, then what kind of industries do you think have attracted the most interest in your country? Ah, good, good point. So, uh, it's the consumer sector for now, right? It's a consumer mm-hmm. sector and, you know, Kasem is, is, uh, the unicorn that we have right now, and that's in the automotive space, right? The, uh, dealing with secondhand. Uh, automotives and and they obviously uh, next to Grab who is in Singapore now, Kasim is there. We've got a couple uh, of the other guys uh, coming up. Uh, you know we've got Air Asia, uh, you know digital super app. Uh, we've got the likes of uh, you know our local guys who are in the crypto space. I, I don't want to mention names there. They're looking at raising. 
okay. and obviously we've got the e-commerce players, uh, you know, in the supply chain logistics space, uh, which have grown tremendously fast based on what I've told you earlier on, right? So it seems to be to me in the in the consumer space and the spin-off from the consumer space, right? So uh, you're also looking at, at fintech uh, to support this uh, growth in trade. You're looking at the logistics, mobility business, logistics more than mobility. Uh, and obviously what's coming up is the green uh, space, right? Whether it's in mm-hmm. sustainable or whether it's in ESG, we see a clear interest uh, in supporting technology and supporting ideas and companies that are able to get us to that to that knowledge, that space, uh, that scale, that ESG is embedded in our ecosystem. I have like two questions to follow up. I mean, it's interesting. I think a lot of people might be thinking the same way as I am. Uh, you know, we're at a stage where people are, the countries are reopening, uh, China's reopening, everybody's traveling. And it's interesting to say that you mentioned um, uh, the airline, uh, their Air Asia. As, as as still being very uh, uh, attractive, uh, would you say that it's like in a way that, you know, attention is going towards industries or sectors that are are involved in opening up of things now? Um, so, you know, so there's, people are saying there's going to be a global recession, right? A lot mm-hmm. of people, are, economists are saying this, right? Europe, US, and, and but you know what? Uh, ASEAN, from whatever reports I'm reading, is going to see a slower growth, not a recession. Mm-hmm. Right? So mm-hmm. that's interesting, right? So we're mm-hmm. not getting into a recession. We're going to go at slower growth, but still growth, right? But China is going into a recession is what, what uh, you know, I've been reading. I may be wrong. Uh, so in that in that space, in what you're talking about, if inflation is being brought to controllable levels, then you'll see spending, consumer spending, uh not going up perhaps, but at least maintaining its momentum or its, its levels as it was over the last one year when we've come out of the COVID restrictions, right? Uh, and so domestic spending will be very important, right? Uh, and, and investments, FDIs will be very important. And we talk about domestic uh, spending, then an app or a platform that's able to aggregate and serve the needs of the consumer, a super app, so to speak, that is not just serving its consumers, but opening it as a platform, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, might might do very well, might do very well, right? Because people are moving away from a proprietary platform to more. Okay, I'll, I'll use you as an open system or open platform where everybody else can plug into me as well, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and really, I think that's where things will move. So, without mentioning also a particular brand name, which I've already done, you know, there are many others in that space. I think we're moving towards that convenience, uh, you know, meeting with, you know, what you need on one platform, one app uh, Mm. would would probably be the way to move forward too, right? Whether it's airline or not is something to be seen. Uh, From what I'm gathering, the pent-up demand from China uh, is going to be very significant Mm. uh, if it happens, right? Uh, And that's Mm. going to be, I think, a lot of benefit to all countries in ASEAN uh, if that tourists land in ASEAN first. But then again, on reverse, if the opening of China is also, you know, I, I speak to a lot of my, my friends, my companies, and they're also waiting to get into China. They believe mm-hmm. they're spending money there too for services, right? And for things like durian and bird nest and, and others mm-hmm. that are selling online, but I think they can do a, a lot better with. 
Mm. Now, you talked about um, the significance of domestic demand or con uh, consumerism there. Uh, how has then the government in Malaysia supported uh, the tech ecosystem and supported the, you know, the, the stakeholders in your country? Uh, good question. So via MDEC and a couple of other agencies, uh, the first thing that we did was to ensure that they could keep operating, right? So there were certain exemptions given to people in the, uh, what we call the essential sectors, like logistics, BPO, global business services, right? Exemptions given for them to operate, obviously with strict measures, so they could service others, right? So ITO, uh, IT outsourcing or business process outsourcing, all of this was very important. And that helped our tech companies to, to really try and weather through the storm. Secondly, it was through grants, right? So digitalization grants, uh, and others that could help you get new machines, get you ready for work from home, and so on, right? Making sure the infrastructure was there. Um, thirdly, as we as we got through the first two years, then it was really helping each other out. So MDEC played a big role in terms of matching startups with corporate through corporate innovation programs. So we could quickly accelerate uh, the digitalization from the corporate side, as well as to give mm -hmm. business to help grow the, the, the startups, right? Uh, so that has worked really well. My colleague uh, on the other side, Gopi, has done very well with this team to, to ensure that this continuously happens. And since we've opened, the market access has reopened again. So MDEC, you know, we take our companies, introduce them to opportunities around the region, Indonesia, Philippines, Thailand, Singapore, to ensure that they're able to grow uh, in this space. Mm. And, and talking about that in, in terms of uh, supporting the, the system, uh, for those who are interested, uh, can you give an example of an interesting accelerator? Well, uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to pick up just one, to be fair. Uh, there are quite a few out here who are doing a great job, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I, I have to say this, though. They're, they're focused on different areas, but uh, a lot of them are just looking at the founders. So, I don't want to name just one, right? There are a few. There's a 1337, there's Scale Up Malaysia, uh, and, and a few out there right, who are doing some great jobs down in Johor, up in Penang. Um, and so the names that I told you, you know, they take in 5, 10, 20 into one cohort. Uh, there's a proper mentoring in place. Uh, I believe some of them have seen uh, initial exits already so that the money is plowed back in. Uh, so we do have a very robust uh, accelerator ecosystem. Now, this is also backed up by MDEX, Malaysia's digital hub, right? These are co-working spaces. Uh, we mm -hmm. have 20 of them across Malaysia. So the Malaysia digital hub really lands or welcomes a startup, very small, even bootstrapping startup. And we bring the ecosystem around that co-working space to you, right? So every month, every week, we'll have something going on, introducing you to people, mentoring you, uh, you know, if need be, then getting you access to funding with those interested. So there's ours, the MDH, and then obviously there's the private sector run uh, accelerators. So exciting times ahead. In fact, there are one or two others coming up uh, in this year, right? Mm -hmm. uh, to push things uh, further with maybe specific verticals to look at like deep tech. Okay. Well, now I know you don't want to name like a, a, just one person or or a, one organization, but then uh, when you go to another level of investment, you know, which investors uh, are, are known to be active in Malaysia? I think, you know, because our listeners are, are mostly startups and, and corporates, you know, people are interested. Right. So um, we have government agencies who work with LPs and GPs. 
uh, to do it. And on their own, they also do their own, right? So I can give you a few. The government one is Panjana Capital, right? That's K-A-P-I-T-A-L. Um, and they've got a, a decent uh, war chest. Uh, if you Google Panjana Capital, you will know how much they have out there. It's, it's, it's not a secret. Uh, somewhere in the region of above a billion ringgit to deploy into startups within Malaysia as well as uh, startups from across the region. Yeah, <clears throat> And um, they, of course, work with their LPs and GPs. There are eight funds uh, under Panjana Capital. Then the other agency, obviously, is MAFCAP, Malaysia Venture Capital. Uh, they also work with uh, LPs and GPs to deploy their funds into local startups as well as uh, other interesting startups. There's Kazana. Kazana is like automatic for, for Malaysia. Uh, they have a decent fund to also look into six key areas around social enterprise uh, at one level, and then obviously the Series A onwards on another level. Right? Mm, a wide and range. You, yeah, yeah. And you've got you've got the other VCs who are quite active, right? And uh, they know who they are, but some of them are like Gobi Partners, 500 Startups. You've got Vertex. You've got Finex. I mean, you've got you've got quite a few of them uh, here, very actively looking at the ecosystem, right? And also, so they, they, they've not changed since the COVID nineteen pandemic. No, say? in fact, in fact, like I told you a bit earlier on, there seems mm. to be no interest in ASEAN and especially so in Malaysia, mm. right? I mean, think about our our currency exchange, US dollar to the ringgit, for example. Mm -hmm. Uh, and the quality of the companies that you have right now, right, in mm -hmm. Malaysia, uh, it almost becomes like a like a no-brainer to say that, you know, we, we, we'll look into the Malaysia companies right now as opposed to go to, say, for example, our other neighbours, mm. right? Well, no, Thailand is still interesting, though. Thailand is still interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm looking at that, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay, okay. Well, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about the positives of the Malaysian ecosystem, but, uh, you know, every ecosystem has challenges, have challenges. Or what are, what are the main challenges do you think, you know, uh, Malaysia is facing right now? You know, and I... I'm going to sound like a broken record, and I think it's the same anywhere in ASEAN. It's the access to the right talents. Mm. Right? It's just that, right? So everything from a digital marketeer to a software developer to a, for example, cybersecurity guy, it's tough, right? The speed of which uh, the digital economy is growing, there's just really not enough. And more so now, if you look at the talents, they seem to want to work uh, from home or freelance or remote, right? Um, and, and so that has fundamentally changed the way how companies are also approaching talent. Mm. Uh, do I outsource the talent? Do I, you know, insource it and just get one person and then outsource the rest? But but regardless of what model, I think getting talents are is is a bit difficult, right? So that's that's the key. Yeah, challenge. but you know, here in Thailand, we've talked a lot about you know, the, especially the corporate side. You know, it's, uh, you know, trying to do more in terms of training in the universities and and uh, getting more uh, you know participation in training from the corporate the private sector is, is that happening in Malaysia as well it is but not, apparently not fast enough oh, right? yeah. the demand is just outstripping supply right yeah. uh, and and to, yeah to give the private sector as well as government credit both of them are trying to address these problems right so for example Petronas has a Petronas digital learning center. Uh, you've got things like uh, 42KL, was part of the 42, right, uh, companies. You've got General Assembly, uh, Beyond 4, uh, and all of them, private sector as well as the government sector, looking to see how we can get the right sort of talents in. 
But it's not it's not an overnight thing, right? I mean, if you're talking about last year to this year, when we've come out of COVID, a lot more demand for services and products in the digital side. Can mm. we cope? Not yet, because you do need the digital marketers. And yes, there are many, say, below 25. Are they experienced enough? Right? Do they know how to use ChatGP? Do they know how to use the latest, you know, TikTok logarithms, for example, right? On the on the digital marketing side. And on this side, the softwares, uh, unit developers who are really up to mark with what's needed, you know, like low code. Uh, where does that come in in that overall picture of, of things when you're developing something, right? Mm. Uh, the apps, for example, Apple has just announced at the CES, uh, uh, and so does Google, right? New mm. updates. So you need you need developers who are also constantly updated, understanding how things move, how cloud moves. Uh, so a lot of things to be done still uh, around talent. So that's yeah, I I totally agree with you. That's we're all in the same boat in that 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 uh, issue, uh, definitely. Uh, but uh, okay, well, in the meantime, as we we wait, uh, be patiently to for 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 things to get better on that side. Um, what is your advice for foreigners who are looking to expand their businesses in Malaysia into Malaysia? Oh, fantastic! So, yes, the million dollar question is it. So the first thing is business continuity, lah. Right. Over the last uh, 60 odd years of our independence, especially over the last 26 years of the MSC, now Malaysia Digital, we're very consistent in our digital economy and, and generally investments into our economy. Right, It's business as usual. Um, you know, Under this new uh, administration, uh, you can also see all the sound bites coming out that foreign investments are critical and welcome to the country. Right, not only in terms of its uh, CAPEX, but its OPEX, you know, hiring of headcount, transfer of technology, and we're very open for business. That's number one. Number two is the multilingual and diverse talent pool. Right? In one country, you get Mandarin, you get Bahasa Indonesia, you get, you know, Malay, Hindi, Tamil, English, of course, spoken by you know almost everybody in Malaysia. And it's a young and digitally savvy population. Okay. Number three is the value of doing business in Malaysia, right? So you're sitting at the center, the heart of ASEAN. Connectivity is not a problem. Right, uh, Singapore is 45 minutes away by flight. Thailand is an hour plus. Bangkok, we're right out there, right? Yes. You get into Vietnam and anybody else in two hours, right? Uh, Indonesia included, two hours. So that, including with our uh, strong infrastructure, our digital infrastructure, our banking infrastructure, financial infrastructure, then it's almost a no-brainer to come into, into Malaysia. Right? And you're doing business at one-third of the Sing dollar or one-fourth of the US dollar. So if you, if you look at this as a value proposition, uh, yeah, you should, you should land in Malaysia. Mm. And, you know, okay, throughout our conversation, we've talked about the, the ups and the downs of, 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 of what's been happening with Malaysia along with the rest of the world in the past few years, the potential. Uh, we are now in a new year. 2023. I've talked to many different people who have different perspectives of what's going to happen. Some people say, you know, the growth is going to be very slow. Things are not, we're not out of the woods yet. Uh, you know, things would be able to be picked up uh, or we will be picking up within, you know, during the summer, perhaps or later half of the year. Um, what What is your expectations for this year, 2023, for the startup ecosystem in Malaysia? I do hope it's going to be a great year, right? Mm. Uh, I think uh, our GDP, uh, with the estimation 
is going to be 3.5 to 4%, depending on, on which analyst report that you talk about, right? So again, we're looking at a growth in GDP, a slower growth of it, but not a recession, right? And I think it's the same across many countries in ASEAN. So there is real opportunity for us to take advantage of. If you look at the uh, Google Tomasic Bain report, economy report that came out end of last year, uh, was very clearly stated in that report. Uh, it's the second year the report's coming out. It said that um, the digital economy will continue to grow uh, at a CAGR of, of 6 to, to 8%, right? That's, that's, you know, tremendous opportunities. E-commerce, like I said, and the ancillary services around e-commerce are going to continue to drive uh, the digital economy. And like I said earlier on, logistics, warehousing, fintech, uh, uh, cybersecurity, and all that thing around e-commerce, digital trade, will come up to four, right? Social enterprises and the work around uh, teaching, learning, uh, and, and all of those, right? Uh, decent income uh, to be given to, to people. I think apps and solutions around that side are going to continue to attract investments, including ESG, like I said, climate change and, and governance is going to continue to attract. So I'm not too um, uh, downbeat with the, the talks of recession. I think that if we talk about domestic as well as playing with intra-ASEAN, mm-hmm. we are 660 people strong, right? Our collective GDP, whoa, it's a lot. Right, mm. our collective mm. GDP is targeted to grow at five percent, four to five percent. So, if you look at ASEAN itself, I think there is that opportunity right there over the next two years, and then from there, when things get kind of like you know better, I hope you know globally, uh, we are ready to conquer the world. Ah, yes, indeed. I, I think we'll end it with that. I mean, I don't think you can say anything better than that. And and thank you for summarizing what you just talked about. And, and it really is, um, I think, exciting to hear what you're saying, that there is that expectation that we will, as a group in the region, you know, remain strong. And it's exciting to see what's happening in Malaysia as well in terms of the continued interest in your ecosystem and the potential and growth and whatnot. And we're looking so much forward to seeing what's to come in the future for you. Thank you so much, Raymond, for being with us here today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's been such a wonderful conversation. I'm keeping my eyes closed on Thailand's ecosystem as well. Oh, and us to you and us to you too. Anyways, to our listeners, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Texas Global Podcast. I'm sure if you are interested to know more about the Malaysia Digital Economy Corporation and Raymond Siva, you can always go to our website and we'll be uh, definitely able to connect you with MDEC. As for now, uh, we hope you got some inspiration, some insight. Until next time, we'll see you again. Sadika. Texas, sparking innovative thoughts.